0: good morning everybody i'm kevin valentine and i'm awesome and i have muscles and i'm good-looking and uh... well no obviously i'm, I'm not kevin uh, kevin's off on a well-deserved vacation in israel with his wife and uh... that's an awesome experience my, my name is bill Malat, and uh... i'm the discipleship director here at kensington and I, I hope to share with you today about exactly what bill and heather just talked about hope and uh... that's our, our message for today but before we do before we do that, I want to play a little game with you. Uh, just to get a little energy up and to get kind of a, see what you know, I'm gonna give you a little quiz. So we're gonna play a game that's kind of actually like, if you ever watched uh, Cash Cab when they do the red light challenge and they just shout out the answers? That's what I want you to do. So this is like Cash Cab red light challenge without the cash and without the cab. So <laughs> we'll, we'll do it anyway. So we're, we're gonna look, I'm gonna put a slide up and I just want you to yell out if you know the answer. water water he got it laugh out loud we got it how about the next one roll on the floor floor. floor laughing very good be right back back. okay let me know let me know know. ah this might be a hard one girlfriend Girlfriend. okay right how about this one let me get out of the way because I'm in your way gotta go this is my favorite one yeah I want to be a goat Uh, I I think that's why people like goats. greatest of all time how about this one boyfriend everybody's gonna know the next one I don't know see even if you say I don't know you got it Um, how about the next one IDC I don't care that's the problem with our world ignorance and apathy right I don't know and I don't care that's what everybody says last one Story of my life. Yeah, we got it right up here. Story of my life. Okay, so, so some of you did better than others at that. Uh, and, and, you know, why would, I, why would I do something like that? Well, you know, we all have uh, communication skills. We all have language that we need to understand. And I thought, you know, I thought these would be kind of easy. I, I thought especially that first one would be easy. But when I went to visit my, uh, my son for his graduation from pilot training last week in Texas, my older sister was there. And I, I just out of curiosity, I said, Ann, what does uh, LOL mean? And she said, lots of love. And I said, oh, that's going to get you in trouble when you uh, say, hey, I heard you wrecked your car. Like, LOL, you know, I heard your friend died. Oh, LOL, that's, that's not a good thing. So you got to know, you got to know what you're talking about. So uh, what I'm going to do now, though, is I want to give you some, some words that are a little bit more important than our texting language. Okay, so this time I'm going to put the definition up there. And I want you to shout out the word that fits that definition. Let's see if you, how well you do on these. Grace, right. Not, uh, okay, so getting something we don't deserve. How about the next one? Not getting a consequence or punishment we do deserve. That's not grace. It's mercy. There's a little difference there, but it could be grace. I guess, I guess I'll give you half credit for that. How about an emotion caused by an impending danger? Fear. Somebody said it. Fear. Ability to face difficulty, danger, or pain, even when afraid. Say again? Courage. Courage. Right. Courage. Even if we're afraid, we we need to show courage to do what we're supposed to do. How about reliance on integrity of a person or a thing, I'll add to that. Trust. Yeah, you're trusting your chairs. Don't anybody's chair break now. Okay, this is trust. Belief that is not based on proof. How about that one? faith right that's 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 what we have faith cancel an indebtedness or this one cease to feel resentment against forgive wow we sometimes have a little difficulty with that one don't we uh, forgiving is sometimes really hard but it holds us back if we don't do it confidence in the truth or existence of something not immediately susceptible to rigorous proof <clears throat> belief yeah belief uh, belief is the, is the source of our salvation. We believe in Christ, and that's, that's what we do, even though we don't have rigorous proof. Uh, can't prove that God exists, but we believe it anyway. Uh, favorable and confident expectation of the unseen in the future. Hope. Hope. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about hope. And, and I, I pray that my message wouldn't get in the way of you feeling... And experiencing the hope that only the Holy Spirit can bring so we're gonna use the uh, the story of of Paul today and we're gonna look at his journey uh, a shipwreck uh, a journey from uh, to Rome to to stand before Caesar we're gonna look at how he responded uh, to that but first what I want to do is I want to take a minute here to pray and take our offering so the the ushers are gonna get ready for the offering they're gonna kind of get in position but I want to just say a word about that. If you're here for the first time or if you haven't uh, really been involved in Kensington before, don't feel, don't feel obligated to give or put anything in the, in the basket as it goes by. Because there are lots of online givers. You won't, you won't look awkward by not putting anything in there. Don't worry about it. 65% of our, our uh, people give online, so you, you won't look funny. So after we pray, we'll, we'll take the offering and then we'll look at a review of last week and we'll get into the message on hope. So join me as I pray. God, we thank you so much for the, the privilege that we have to, to be here, to be free, to worship you and to give you the honor and glory that you deserve for what you created us for. And God, we, uh, we just want your spirit to speak to us today. We want your message to, to penetrate to our heart. God, you told us your word is is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it penetrates the spirit and the marrow. And and separates those things in our lives and we just want you to have your way with us today we want you to steal this show and to give you the glory in all we say and do we pray this in jesus name amen so ushers go ahead and come forward and, and receive that offering now and and again we will uh, we'll take a look at we'll take a look at paul and how he responded to the frustrations to the fears to the loss of hope in his life. So let, let's, take a, let's take a quick look at what Kevin talked about last week as we got into what he got remember he got arrested in chapter 16 of Acts and Paul got, got arrested. Anybody remember uh, what he got arrested for? Why they turned him over to the, to the authorities? Anybody remember he, he cast out a demon from this, this young girl? He thought well what an innocent thing to do. He cast out a demon, freed her from that but the uh, people that were using her to make a living, they weren't real happy with that. So they took Paul and Silas and they threw them in prison. They put them in shackles. They put them into the jail, and they they treated them pretty pretty poorly. They uh, just for casting out a demon and taking away the uh, uh, the livelihood of these people. So Paul, after everything, then, then an earthquake came. Remember the shackles were broken. The jailer was going to kill himself because he knew that the prisoners were going to escape, and and yet. Paul says, nope, don't do it, we're still here, we didn't go, and the jailer was like, whoa, why did you do that? Why didn't you run away? He was ready to kill himself because he knew he would have been burned uh, if, if he had let these prisoners go, but through that process, remember the jailer came to know Christ, he came to belief in him, and he got baptized that very evening, and his whole family came to know Christ because Paul Was faithful to stay in the jail even when God released him from there so what we saw then was God was uh, he was he he released him from his shackles but he didn't he didn't get away but the authority said oh uh, you're a Roman citizen now we've got to release you he said no I don't I don't want you you just beat me without a trial you flogged me you put me into shackles you put me in jail I want to appeal to Caesar so remember this for our story today he's going to do the same thing again and that's why he's on his, on his way. So the questions we asked last week was, one of them was, why does God, a good God, allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, we all think we're good. We all think that bad things shouldn't happen to us. But God has a purpose for those things. And if he's, if he's good, if God is love, and if he is a good God, why is there pain and suffering at all? Why does he allow that? Well, the answer to that in, in large part is because we have free will and God allows us to, to choose in, in those situations. Remember, Kevin said this, I think, last week. He said, if there was no free will, then there really couldn't be love because we have to choose to love. We can't be forced to love. Anybody in here forced to love? We can't do it. We need, we need the willingness. We need the free will to be able to choose that. So how can we stop blaming God for the things that come into our life and how can we uh, use the suffering and pain in our life to actually draw closer to God instead of pushing him away and blaming him for the troubles and, and struggles in our life. So, so here's the question that I want you to consider today. As the storms of life, <clears throat> you know, whatever those storms are, maybe you've, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you've lost a job, maybe you've uh, lost a relationship, maybe somebody has has betrayed you. Maybe all those things happened in the same week. But those storms of life, they come our way and, and we, we have to respond somehow. Where do we get the strength to do that? So that's the question today. Who do you turn to? How do you deal with those storms that come into our life? And where do we get that help? Because God never promised us a trouble-free life. He, he promised us that we would experience trials. But He would be there To help us through them he would be there to support us and stand up under those trials so that's what I want us to remember today and I'd love for the 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 Holy Spirit to just really reinforce those thoughts in our in our minds. so uh, Paul is the subject of our lesson on hope today because of the way he responded to the trials and storms of life I got to share this I watched a funny video this week uh, it was an Uber driver. Anybody ever taken Uber rides? No. Okay, so this was an Uber driver that was riding down the road, and he had a passenger in the back seat. who was really busy and, you know, doing like they, like they always do. I used to drive Uber, too. So they, they sometimes get on their phone and they get real busy. Well, anyway, this guy cuts this driver off, almost hits him, almost wrecks his car, and then the guy who does the cutting off, he gets out of his car and he starts, he, st- he comes back and starts yelling at this Uber driver and all this verbal abuse and waving his hands at him and threatening him. And the Uber driver just sits there and goes, hey, you know, he's smiling and waving. And the, and the passenger in the back says, how could you do that? What is wrong with you? That guy almost wrecked your car. He almost killed us. Why are you waving and smiling at him? And he said, well, you know, people are kind of like garbage trucks. So they have a bunch of junk they just need some place to dump it sometimes and he said i i don't mind i don't mind being that place that they need to dump it if it makes them feel better i'll do it and he says i've i've learned in life that life is about 10% of what you make it and 90% of how you take it so i'm going to choose to just take this and let him dump his garbage on me and then he won't have to deal with it anymore I'm like wow I watched that and I said, you know what, that, that really can help me on the road when this next guy cuts me off or comes up behind me and wants to go 90 and a 35. And, you know, those things are annoying sometimes. And we can, we can have little struggles with those things. And if we remember how we take those things are really important, not only to us, but to God. And so as, as we look at Paul and how did he take the things that God gave to him, I want us to, to just see what his background was a little bit. Maybe some of these things you know about Paul, maybe some of you don't. But we look at, we look at the person of Paul. He was born about 10 to 15 years before or after Jesus was born. He was born as a Roman citizen. A lot of people in those days, I don't know if you realize this, they paid a lot of money to become Roman citizens. Paul was born a citizen. He was a tent maker by trade. He, he, he made tents because he sometimes went to places that couldn't afford his ministry, but he, he made his own money, and he, he didn't ask them for anything to support him. So he was a tent maker there, and he, he continued that as he be, began his ministry for the Lord. He was raised Jewish, and he was raised as a Pharisee. In fact, in Galatians, he says, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, was, you know, I had all those qualifications that, that everyone might have. He persecuted the followers of Jesus, those Jews that followed because he thought they were heretics. He thought those, those people had found the wrong way to go and he was, he was killing Christians until one day as he was riding into Damascus to kill some more Christians, to persecute them for following Jesus, he was struck by a bright light. He was blinded, knocked from his horse, and God spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul why do you persecute me? And Paul looked, not even able to see now, but said, who are you, Lord? And and he says, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. And he says, now, get up on that horse, go into the city, and I'm going to tell you what you have to do. So he gets to the city. He gets there, he's blind, he he hasn't eaten, he hasn't uh, uh, had anything, his strength is waning, and God God leads a person in Damascus who is by the name of Ananias. There's a lot of people in the Bible named Ananias. You, you, you can see different stories. But this one was in Damascus, and he was, he was told what to do for Paul. Now, what do you think when he was told, go, go to Saul and heal him, give him back his eyesight, and then I'm going to tell him what he must do and how he must suffer, must suffer for my sake what do you think? What would you do if you were Ananias? Wait a minute. This is Paul, the one who kills Christians and we you. I don't know if I want to go near him. Well, the Lord told him, go ahead and do it. Trust me. Trust me. Go, go heal him. And he did. He went and healed Paul. And, and Paul began a new life. This is truly a life that was changed. You know, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, uh, says 5.17, it says that if, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. Boy, if that doesn't describe Paul as being a new creation, the old things in his life were gone. He was now, instead of a persecutor of Christians, he was a winner of, of people to the, to the name of Christ. And so uh, here was ultimately Paul's response to his suffering. God told him he was going to suffer. And so in, in Colossians 1, he tells us what he actually did uh, as he responded to the suffering, he says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my, in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. He suffered for the sake of us, right here, the church, Christ's body. Well, Paul eventually wrote, I think, Many of us know this, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. He's credited with 13 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. And we have to wonder, if Paul did that, if he did all that and God chose him, why did he still make him suffer? And I don't, I don't know if you ever wonder, why do you suffer? Why do you have pain in your own life? I, I'm sure if we, if we had a show of hands, everybody would say at some point in their life, they have asked God, why me? Why did you make me do this? Or why did this happen to me? And where do you go when you hit rock bottom in your life? Who do you turn to? So when things, you think they can't get any worse, and then they do, um, that's rough. And you lose your job, you lose your relationships, you lose your loved ones, you lose... uh, All those things happen, and brokenness and confusion and discouragement come into your life, and what do you do? Where do Where do you turn? So Paul was in this situation. Here he, here he was. Now he had appealed to Caesar and he was, he, they were going to try him at the local place, but he said, no, I'm a Roman citizen. I want to appeal to Caesar. I did nothing wrong, so I want to go here. And he started on this, so now they were preparing for this journey and they were ready to go on the boat and Paul said, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. This isn't really a good time to be going on a ship through the sea because we're going to get a terrible storm. We're going to get this we're going to get this weather that's going to, it's going to end in disaster is what Paul said. So as we, as we look at the next, uh, next slide, the, uh, uh, the, the, the scripture says that the centurion who Paul was given, given over to to be in charge, he ignored Paul and he, he paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than the, what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, they wanted to go. They wanted to move on and they wanted to uh, go to another place to spend the winter there. And so Paul had to go. He was a prisoner. He he was he was stuck. And this is the boat. This is the boat that they they boarded with 276 men on board this this ship. I guess you could call it a ship. I was taught that a boat fits on a ship, and a, you can't call a ship a boat because the navy people get really mad when you do that. Um, so they paid more attention. So this is what they this is what they boarded and. They weighed the anchors and said, this looks okay. It looks cool. We can, we can go and do this. Um, but then, then Paul's direction or his premonition came, came true. Uh, Soon, a tempestuous wind called the nor'easter struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it, and we were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cotta, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Now, look at what they were doing here. They were trying to do anything they could to save their lives. They, they were using all of their skills, all of their sailing tactics. They hoisted up the, the boats. They undergirded it. They feared that they would run against the, the ground. And then uh, they were violently storm-tossed in verse 18. They, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. Now, the owner of the ship was going to make profits from this cargo, but they had to jettison that. They had to throw that overboard so they could survive. So that was their primary goal was to survive. They threw it over. They threw the ship's tackle over. That meant they couldn't control the ship anymore. They couldn't raise or lower the sails. They, could, they had no control over the ship at all. And so in, in verse 20, by the time we get there, it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, when no small tempest lay on us, all of our hope of being saved was at last abandoned. They thought they were going to sneak to Rome on a gentle wind, but their storm came in their life and changed their mind and their their whole attitude. Now all they wanted to do was survive. So this is a this is a picture of the journey that they were on, and I just want to I want to kind of uh, call your attention to this area right here. I'm I'm an old military guy, so I used to do this all the time with the pointer. So if you uh, so this is where they started and this is where they ended up. Now look at that line. That is, that is the path that they would sail if they had a master captain guiding the ship with all the controls in good weather. It would take 475 miles, it would take 14 days to travel that distance. When the storm hit, they were just out of their starting, starting gate at Fair Havens. And they were all wondering, including Paul, they'd lost hope. Where is God? Where do you think God was? How long do you think it took that ship with this storm, this nor'easter battering it, putting them in utter darkness for 14 days? How long do you think it took them to reach Malta? 14 days took them 14 days as if a master captain was guiding the ship. That master captain was God. There's no way that in a hurricane they could have made that trip in 14 days unless God intervened. So God wasn't gone. He wasn't abandoning them. He was with them the whole time. He was guiding that ship to Malta. So when they get there, what was he really doing? He was, he was preparing them for what he was going to do next. And next, we see that they were without food for a long time. Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. Don't, don't you love that verse? I, I love that part. Because Paul is so much like us. Did you ever, I'm sure no, no one here has ever done that when you were right about something and it proved right. And you said, I told you so. I told you this is what was going to happen. I'm sure you never did that. But Paul did it here. He said, you should have listened to me. However, I have this uh, uh, good news for you. I I now urge you, in verse 22, he says, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. And for I have faith in God that I will be exactly as I have been told. That, so, God spared the lives of the whole crew. Paul had lost hope. Paul was the writer of the New Testament. So many reasons that Paul should have had more faith and more trust and hope and not lost it when he, when he was going on his journey. But he did. And God saw it fit to send him an angel to reaffirm him, to reassure him. Now, I don't know. I look at this and I say, man, I don't know if I'd really be ready to even listen to an angel or believe that this, this angel was real. And I would just, if I had lost hope, I'm not sure what I'd, what I'd feel. And, and I, I thought about that for a second, and then I wondered, have I ever had a sign from God in my own life like this? And I thought back to six years ago when, uh, when my brother, my older brother, uh, went from being reasonably healthy, almost perfectly healthy, to being dead in 30 days from liver cancer. A family was devastated. We, we were, how could this be? Why did God do this? He was doing so much good for his community. His family was depending on him. His wife adored him, and she was, she was devastated when this all happened. But the process of this occurring told me that God was not abandoning this family. They were sitting, his four daughters and his wife were standing around his bedside in the hospital, as they were getting ready to remove him from this machine. The machine that had hoped in 10 days to restore his liver as they took the cancer away and <clears throat> just wasn't working. So they decided, we are just got to let him go. After 10 days, if it's not regenerating, it's not going to happen. So one of his daughters, one of his daughters said, it's okay, Dad. It's all right. We'll let you go. Go in peace. And be with the Lord. Be, be in a place that is better. You're suffering, we, we know, and so go ahead and go. And she looked up and she said, but God, give us some kind of sign so that we can have hope and so we can have peace in this place and let us know that he's all right. Let us know that he's okay. Maybe he could do something with time because he's such a freak about time. He's always wanting everything to be done on time. So maybe he could do something with that. Well, in just a few minutes, the, uh, the doctor called, him, uh, called it and said, Time of death, 12.42 p.m. Well, the family was obviously uh, a little bit sad. And as they drove home, they, they went to their, their house that evening. And sitting around the kitchen table, they, uh, they, they were talking and memories and all those things you do when somebody that you love passes. And one of their daughters looked up at the kitchen clock. You know, one of those little things with the fruit on it and stuff and the second hand kind of ticks around. And, and so this clock... The second hand was kind of going like this, but it wasn't going anywhere. And one of the daughters said, look at that stupid clock. What's wrong with it? And the one who had prayed looked at the clock and said, Heather, that's the exact time that dad died. 1242, that clock stopped. And that's our sign. That's God speaking to us and telling us dad's all right. And that was an angel. That was God's messenger through that timepiece that said, it's okay. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't given up on what you had hoped and asked me to do. So after I thought about that story, I said, you know, angels really can come and speak to us. Angels really can give us that assurance that, that we need. So at this point, at this point in Paul's journey, there, you know, you might think, ah, we're good. All is well. We're going to be Okay. Ever heard that expression, things are, things are going to get a little worse before they get better? Um, some, sometimes that happens. And, and that's the all is well kind of thing was not quite yet. Because as we look in chapter 28 of Acts, uh, the, the people on Malta where they crashed and, and, and where they uh, sank their ship, they were unusually kind to them. And it says, uh, as Paul was gathering a bundle of sticks and put the fire that they had made for him, A viper came out because of the heat and fastened on Paul's hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Paul's like, are you kidding, God? What in the world? I just went through a shipwreck. I went through this whole thing for you. You you saved us from the ship, and now you're going to kill me with a viper, and they're going to call me a murderer as I go? So a deadly snake bites me as my son Matthew would say really really God really he, he was he likes to do that uh, as he can't believe things so what would you be thinking what, what would what would you be going through your mind Is God abandoned me again did he save me just to just to throw me into the wolves again or to the snakes uh, so now the people thought he was a, a murderer but then look what happens in in verses five and six he says however he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. So he went from murderer to a god. Isn't that the way this world acts toward us sometimes? They're pretty fickle. We go, ah, this guy's a jerk. He's a real, oh, I love this guy so much. He's a god. Yeah, so fickle people, go figure. Uh, I don't don't know... um, how you would be reacting at this point, but I, I might be just saying, God, what in the world is the point? Why did you do all this? Why did we have to go through the shipwreck? Why did I have to get bitten by the snake if you were just going to save me anyway? And so here's, here's the thing to consider on this. And This is what I want us to think about. As, as we look at this experience that Paul had, think about how pain and suffering can be a platform for good. It can be a platform to help others. The Bible tells us that we can comfort others with the same comfort that God has given us. So in, this, in, the, in the next uh, passage there, it says, In the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius. He received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. I read that, and I think, if this is the end result, if this is what God had in mind, would I not be willing to go through a little hardship? Would I not be willing to go through a little suffering so I can have this platform of pain to help people and to cure them of their diseases? I hope I hope all of us would I hope all of us would be willing to do that as we as we think about the good that lies ahead so here are a couple of things that I want you to keep in mind as you experience the storms in your life Uh, I used to tell this to my kids from the time they were teenagers uh, because you know as a a father of two girls and four boys uh, I, I, I worried about them a little bit. I worried about them making bad decisions when they had the temptations that came into their lives. And so one of the things I used to tell them, remember in the dark what you learned in the light. It's not the time in the back seat of a car to decide whether or not you're going to give yourself to somebody uh, who you don't, don't love and you're not married to. I tell my daughters that all the time, oh, dad, you know, oh, no. Remember now. Make that decision now before you get into that temptation. So, when the storms come into your life, remember what you learned. Remember what you learned right here. We're gonna we're gonna take some time to meditate and think a little bit. bit. Remember those times what God is speaking to you there. And so, as as we we look at these thoughts, remember that. And how do we do that? How do we remember those things? Well, we. When we're consumed with fear and when hope leaves us, there's a vacuum. There's a vacuum that takes place in our life, and fear replaces that vacuum. And it it gives us that that sense of hopelessness that, that it's hard to overcome. So, how do we do that? We depend on God's perfect love to cast out fear. In first John chapter 4, John talks about how God's perfect love will drive out all the fear from our life. And it's, it sounds oversimplified, but it's, but it's true. If we experience God's love, he will give us that, that anecdote, that antidote to fear. How do we get that love? Well, we pray. And, duh, you're probably sitting there, going, yeah, tell us something we don't know. We all pray when we get in trouble. No, we don't. We don't, we don't pray the right way. We don't pray in an attitude of, of humility. Sometimes we go to God and say, why did you do this to me? Sometimes we go to God and, and we say, I didn't deserve this. I'm, I'm never going to church again. I'm never. And so we, we don't come humbly before God and ask him for his love. We sometimes come before him and blame him for our circumstances. So I'm going to ask and remind you and encourage you to, to pray that God would give you that perfect love so that you can cast the fear out of your life even though it seems obvious it, god never made this complicated he didn't make it complicated he just made it very simple so that if we're willing we can go and receive what he has for us remember you're never alone you're only a god is only a prayer away he is only one one word god help me and he'll be there the last one i wanted to share with you maybe is a little more difficult to take and this is the path to hope this is the path out of Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5 he says Paul is talking here he says we also rejoice in our sufferings uh, anybody get a little bit of a <clears throat> rub the wrong way rejoice in our sufferings yeah you might like that verse in James when he says count it all joy when you experience trials yeah we rejoice in our sufferings he says, this is what it does it because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance produces character and character hope and that hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So this process is, is important. It's important if it's going to stay, if it's going to stay put when the trials come into our life. If we don't have, if we haven't gone through this process, it's just, it's just kind of a false hope that we're, we think we have, but when we're really tested, we don't have it anymore at all. So Rejoice in this process, rejoice in those trials, rejoice in the pain that God gives you, and do like Horatio Spafford did when, when he experienced. We're going we're to close our service with two songs one called It Is Well, and one's called Reckless Love. Both of them are stories from pain. And I'll, I'll tell you briefly about the first one. The first one is Horatio Spafford was a businessman in 1873 in Chicago. His family uh, was traveling. He was supposed to travel with him. He got detained by business. His wife and four daughters were, were sailing across the Atlantic and the ship went down. Four of his daughters. All four died. His wife survived alone. She sent him a, a telegram and said, saved alone. Devastating. He now had lost four of his daughters. Two years previously he lost a son to pneumonia. All five of his children were now gone. And Horatio Spafford book passage on the next voyage that he could to go meet his wife and comfort her, and as they got over that place, that he got over that place in the, in the, the time where they went over the, the storm, or uh, where the, where the collision had taken them down, he penned this song, It Is Well With My Soul. Some of you have heard that, that story. We're going to see it a little bit different tune today, but the story is the same. It is well with my soul. So before this song, before we start singing this, we're going we're gonna to have an audio that is going to, uh, to give us about a minute or a minute and a half of sounds of the storm. We're going to shut the lights off. I'm going to encourage you to close your eyes and just think about where you are today with God. If you belong to him, great. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, think about what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. Maybe he's calling you to make you stronger. Maybe he's calling you to prepare for this next storm that's coming into our life. Because, you know, we're, we're either in a storm coming out of one or going into one. That's, that's kind of where we all are. And if you want to be strong to be able to face that next storm, then you need to, to do business with God. You need to ask him to strengthen you and show you how, to, how he can help you to become that. If you've never trusted Christ, folks, you're living, you're going through your storms alone. You don't have the access to God through prayer. You don't have his strength to support you. So as the Holy Spirit speaks to you during this time when you close your eyes and listen to this audio, this storm of life, I, I just encourage you to do what the Holy Spirit calls you. Believe, trust that God really does love you, that he really wants you to be a part of his family and have the support that you need to, to, to take on the storms of life. So As we get into this, I'll come back up a little bit uh, after the songs and we'll close our service. But right now, just get into that mood, get into that mode with the, the storms of life and think about what it is that God wants to say to you right now.